Um, yeah, I'm really thankful for the music of this church. Uh, a lot of work goes into that. Brother Lamar, thank you for heading that up. And it's just, whew, blesses my heart. Sometimes I, I, I'm, I feel like before we even get to the preaching, it's, it's just time to, let's do invitation, let's go home. It's, it's been good. So uh, the other night too, man, uh, uh, Abby Mayfield played one of the piano special over here. That was like the most beautiful, I'm sorry, that was beautiful, beautiful music there. Thank you for the hard work on that. Um, go ahead, turn in your Bibles tonight to Ephesians chapter 3. It's going to continue to be our text. This is actually what I would believe to be uh, the third installment of what I've been preaching here. Uh, the Lord's been putting on my heart lately. And uh, I love it when God has a message on my heart. I enjoy being able to teach in Sunday schools, and I enjoy being able to preach at different times. But sometimes it's kind of like God just has a, a, a certain message that he really wants me to preach about what's kind of, and it usually has to do with what's going on in my life. And so I just kind of come up here and I share what God's doing in my life and I share the scriptures with y'all. And so I hope y'all can, uh, can join in with me tonight as uh, we get into Ephesians chapter three. And um, I've titled my message tonight, The Great Dilemma. The Great Dilemma. <clears throat> if we were to pick up from where we were at last week, or not last week, it was about three weeks ago, actually. Uh, September 30th was last time I preached. And we talked, we, I, I preached about how big God is, taking God out of the box. And as you remember the little rigmarole, I'm running around and there's boxes all over the place and attributes of God. And we're kicking boxes. I mean, I don't know what was going on. That was a little Pentecostal. I'm sorry about that. But we're, we're, we're moving around and we're talking about how big God is because really uh, in the beginning, uh, there was the knowledge of the tree. Uh, there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. <clears throat> we spoke about how that both good and both evil were barred off from man in the age of innocence. And in that we often think that, oh, a man, you know, he ate of that apple and then he became evil. But really, it was also the knowledge of good that was bad, too, because man, man's interpretation of what good is. And man's interpretation of what evil is, is skewed because we have limited mindsets. And so that's where you have the two warring forces against mankind throughout all history, is you have religion that bars up God and, says, and puts limitations on him and says, no, God can only be this big, as defined by dot, dot, dot. Praise the Lord, he's given us his, his word, his scriptures, and his infallible truths that do define and contain uh, who God is. And uh, unfortunately for anybody here in this room, nobody is able to attain to the amount of knowledge and understanding that it takes to truly comprehend who God is. Now, we have a lot about that. I'm very thankful that I go to Wooden Valley Baptist Church and I've grown up and I've been uh, blessed and privileged to be able to hear sound doctrine and good preaching right here in this church. I'm very thankful for pastors who spent 30, uh, 30 some years uh, preaching the truth. And, and, and turning to God's word and letting that be our final authority. And so, <clears throat> but let me just say that even in our own, own constructs of our mind, that it's very difficult to try and wrap your mind around how big God is or who God is. And in fact, we're still struggling with that very thought because as we know what the Ephesians chapter three has to say about it, it's really something that cannot be contained. That our limited mind is not able to comprehend the great the, the, the majesty that God is. And so we talk about God's sovereignty and what is his sovereignty? It's his foreknowledge and it's, it, it, it's his love and it's it, 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 on and on. We could talk about the sovereignty and we've, we've already laid uh, the platform for that. So I'm not going to continue in that. But we know we left off in this is that if, as we're climbing that mountain of how tall, how high and majestic and lifted up is God and we're crusting up there and we're talking about getting on the oxygen mask and getting ready for some higher elevations because God is so great and he's so mighty. And as we're pulling ourselves up to the top of that peak and we look over and we go, oh, my goodness, we're not even to base camp because it's so much higher. There's more to be considered there. And so let's go ahead and take a look, uh, or don't, don't look there. I'm going to read this to you. It's called, uh, um, this is a poem called King of the World. <clears throat> and it's interesting, I believe God brought this to me because I, I heard these lyrics in, in, in the means of a song, and then I, I looked up the lyrics. And it's interesting when you listen to different songs, because sometimes there's songs that you wouldn't naturally even promote or say that this would be a good, you know, the, 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 maybe the backbeat of it is something different. 
Uh, but when you look at the lyrics, sometimes they pop out at you and you go, wow. And so that, that's what happened when I took a look at this. It says, king of the world. And I read this after I, uh, the last message I preached about boxes. And so I thought this was very interesting. It says, I tried to fit you in the walls inside my mind. I tried to keep you safely in between the lines. I tried to put you in the box that I've designed. When did I forget that you've always been the king of the world? I tried to take back right out of the hands of the king of the world. How could I make you so small when you're the one who holds it all? When did I forget that, you're, that you've always been the king of the world? Just a whisper of your voice can tame the seas. So who am I to try and take the lead? Still, I run ahead and I think I'm strong enough when you're the one who made me from the dust. When did I forget that you've always been the king of the world? I try to take life right out of the hand of the king of the world. How could I make you so small when you're the one who holds it all? When did I forget that you've always been the king of the world? Oh, you, see, you set it all in motion every single moment. You brought it all to me and you're holding on to me. When did I forget that you've always been the king of the world? <clears throat> I tried to take life back right out of the hands of the king of the world. How could I make you so small when you're the one who holds it all? When did I forget that you, when did I forget you've always been the king of the world? You will always be king of the world. Written by uh, Natalie Grant, Becca Mizell, and Sam Mizell. And that's uh, taking place, I forget to date it there, but uh, that's a very actually uh, current, uh, I think 2016 that was written. I thought it was very interesting, uh, the concept there of trying to contain or trying to grasp really how big God is. And that's what we've been that's what I've been looking at here in Ephesians chapter three. And I've turned, told you to turn there. I should probably turn there myself. So I'm going to open up because I'm unprepared here. But Ephesians chapter three, and we'll go ahead and start reading there. And I'd like to take a look. And I believe, uh, let's go ahead and, I was going to do verse 13, but I'm going to go ahead and say, let's do uh, verse 16 here. Because we, really we could continue to back up and back up. And if, and if I did this passage justice, we'd, we'd be right back in Genesis 1-1 again. So we got to start somewhere, and it's going to be Ephesians chapter, six, uh, chapter 3, verse 16. It says, <clears throat> that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be, strengthened, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height? And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all, throughout all ages, world without end, Amen. <clears throat> I'd like to pray, but before I do, I'd like to ask you, if you would, with me at this moment, it's very easy, and I'm guilty of this. <laughs> I'm very guilty of this. You might have something going on in the back of your mind. You might be thinking about something somewhere else. You might be thinking this passage of Scripture is good for somebody you love and how you want to talk to somebody else. But I'm just going to ask you right now, if in your mind you could do this, Lord, speak to me and let me hear what you are trying to tell me. And if you do that with me as we pray, open up your hearts, open up your, your ears, and, and we'll pray that, that God will really show us from his word what he's speaking to us about tonight. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the power of your word. I thank you that it does not return void. I pray that tonight your Holy Spirit would be the one that speaks and not me. Help me to get out of the way, and I must decrease so that you can increase. I pray that I would not be a distraction, that I could be meaningful of the time of, the, of those that have come here tonight, and you would have a timely service, and you would have uh, an efficient message that would just bring forth your truth, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> So God is huge. Continuing on that thought, God is huge. And we can continue, I can continue to say that and I love to say it. My favorite thing is that God is 
huge. And I don't have enough time to talk about how God, big God is huge. And, and, and even if we're looking at these passages that are in our text here, I mean, look at verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all saints, what is the breadth? What is the, what is the length and the depth and the height? And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge and to him that's do, able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. I'm just saying this is a God that is so big that when we pray to him, we think, is he really capable of doing such things? And God's saying, you're not even, you're not even at the tip of the iceberg of asking for what I can do because I can do exceedingly abundantly above. I, I mean, those are like three words in a row. And I think if you get into the English language and I'm, I'm still, I'm back, I got into Miss Kay's class because she's teaching Natalie and I've, I've been retaking English. Because I really actually, strangely enough, I actually enjoyed the subject. And I, and I did well back in, in high school uh, I, through our ACE program, believe it or not, Pastor. Uh, through this church program, I was one of the guys that was able to test out of it because they, in ACE, they had us doing all the sentence diagramming. And I really enjoyed that. But unfortunately, if I don't use something enough, I forget it. So I'm trying to brush back up. But if you were to look at exceedingly abundantly above there's, there's a word in the English language that I don't know, but it means something like it's a double, triple positive. I mean, it's, it, it, in a sense, it's like exclamation points here. Highlight that in your Bible. Exceedingly, abundantly above all that you can ask and not even ask, even think. And that's how big our God is. <clears throat> so his blessings are huge towards us. His thoughts are love towards us. And he has great blessings. And he wants us to be able to comprehend with all saints uh, what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth of his love. And the blessings are, like I said, are exceeding. But unfortunately, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately because this is a good thing. So unfortunately is bad. But uh, something we must realize when we get to how big God is and we climb that mountain and we get up to the top, which you're not going to get to the top, but at the top of wherever you're at and how big you formulated in your mind, how big God is, that when you get at the top, and I've noticed this, that it's really easy to climb, and I've gotten myself in this situation. In fact, just came to me now, Allie was, uh, we were at the park this afternoon, and she was climbing up a tree. And it's fun to go up, but as soon as you get up in the tree, then you got to turn around and look down. Like, oh man, I got up here. How did I go back down? We were at a, a Huskies football game this weekend at the uh, um, in, in the parking lot, and they've got a uh, climbing wall there. And so it's really easy to run up the climbing wall and climb up there. I've been doing that since I was a little kid. But once you get to the top, then you realize you got to come back down. And so climbing to the top and realizing just how tall God is, and if that's really the only direction you're chasing Him in, is upward then my, my friend, I'm, I'm warning you, I'm just letting you know that however high up you get, you got to realize that you're up pretty high and you might be a little over your head. Because when you look down, he's just as high as he is tall. And it takes a trench to make a mountain. It takes a valley to make a mountain peak. And the Mariana Trench is actually deeper than Mount Everest is high. And if we're talking about the measurements of God, he's not just all high, He's also all low and he's also all width as far as the east is from the west, a measurement that cannot be comprehended because it's infinite. And, and as the level that we go up and the level that we go down is infinite. And we can, marry, we can measure that by mountains and trenches, but God is much greater than that. And because if we get into the universe, and we talked about that last message, is that when you look for, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and within that construct, we also have the concept of time that we can't think outside that concept, but God said, I created time. And so trying to wrap your mind around timelessness, majesty, his infinite universe, and then I, I've been having a fun time on YouTube too, listening to these grand scientists that can go on for hours talking about how they're getting down to the minute, uh, it's called quantum physics, and they, they've been able to bring it down to the most minute idea of what is the smallest cell, a, a, an electron. And did you know that in our 2018 today, if you were to talk to the top leading quantum physics scientists of the world, and they're, in, I mean, they're, they're like a mile down inside the earth, covered in rock with these huge machines trying to measure dark matter. And they've never even, it's never even, they're, they're wishing upon a star. It's just going to float through and they'll be able to measure it someday. But I'm just saying that, that even these scientists with all the knowledge 
they're all arguing. They're all arguing because quantum physics actually says that the electron uh, that, that it's orbiting around the nucleus and all these things that are taking place for an atom to be formed and, and all these things that I don't really understand, they say they, they actually operate outside the, of, of what your mind can comprehend because we think of something in a place or in a time and, and according to these scientists, the, the, the electron is actually in no place at one time. It's just kind of in a cloud, and they believe it to be just more like space. And so for you to just try to comprehend that, it's kind of like going to be here, but it's not really. It's just like a cloud. And so you have the greatest minds of the world going, I, we don't get it. It's, it's, it's cloud. They can't comprehend the minute complexities of God, and I'm, I would say if we go another hundred years and the greatest scientific revelations continue to take place, they're going to get inside of that cloud and they're going to go, it's something even more, but we don't know. And we're all going to argue and fight about it. And, and there's going to be universities against universities and people arguing and scientists with all this pride, but they don't know what's going on because God is infinitely small as he is infinitely large. <clears throat> And then that brings me to the next conclusion. So if, if God is infinite and we, were, we are to compare numbers to infinity, there is no comparison. That's why if you have the infinity sign, it's like this. Have you seen it? It's like a figure eight on its side. It's like NASCAR. It's boring. It goes on forever. Please just change the channel because it's not going anywhere. <laughs> zoom, 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 zoom. Okay. Uh, the infinite. <laughs> the good thing I'm not down south. I'd be excommunicated here. But infinite. And there's no comparison. You cannot. I don't know. Maybe in, in, in greater levels of, uh, of math that I have not been in. Somebody could correct me here. But I'm not so sure that there's a place within mathematics that you can really apply infinity because it's not a number. It's its, its own thing. It's, it's infinite. And so if I'm to take to you and compare grand measurements and say 10 trillion to the umpteenth power of 90 trillion gazillion, you go, whoa, that's huge. And then I go, okay, but then there's infinity. And, and, and that's infin infinitely larger because there's no comparison. It's without end. So let's just go ahead and try and stop chasing after infinity because if you go in your mind and you try and measure infinity, you will become a madman. You absolutely will. And that's why within our scientific, within these mathematicians, within these scientists that are trying to define the complexities of the universe, you listen to them sit down and talk about like these blue space crystals that evolved out of an explosion that happened a trillion years ago and evolution did this and we came from monkeys and you listen to that and you go, you guys are crazy. And I'm driving to church tonight. I'm looking at the changing of leaves. And, and, the, and, the, and the trees are like fire. They look like they're on fire. They're red and they're orange and the sunsets in the background and, and the beauty of his creation. And you look and you go, what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I'm going to say it anyway. What kind of moron can look at that and say there is no God? And I, okay, I'm sorry if that's offensive language, uh, and, but it's probably the wrong word. And I shouldn't say that. Not moron. But the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Because even the greatest scientist and even the greatest philosopher or the greatest religious person, at some point in time, they have to be able to neglect their own studies and by faith just say, yeah, God, you're just bigger than I can comprehend. And I can dig as long as I want in a science book and I can dig as long as I want in, in, in religious books. But there's really only one book that describes you. And there's only one way to comprehend you, and I'm not going to get ahead of myself and state that. So <clears throat> don't get lost in the rat race of chasing infinity. And don't get lost in the idea that God is in one direction. Because I'm telling you, if you start climbing up and up and up and up and up and up and up, and up you got to remember he's not in one direction because he's not directional. He's omnipresent. He is in all directions. He is just as big and wide and small and large, and he is all-encompassing. He created matter. He is not in a specific location right now. He is God, the I am, the all-present, timeless being that we will never comprehend, nor shall we ever try. And Genesis 2-7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and of the breath, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So remember, God is infinitely large. And what are we? So we're going to describe who are we tonight? We are what? 
What does that say? Dust. Let's all say it. We are dust. dust. Let's not forget. That is a good thing. You should just wake up every morning and put a little sign on the door. that says, I am dust. From dust I was made and from dust I shall return unless I have the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That we are dust. That God simply, he formed this huge thing. And I love listening to these scientific things too because these great scientists are actually agreeing with things that God said. Like they've mathematically formulated that yes, it's most probable that the universe all formed within a trillionth of a trillionth of a trillionth of a second. That everything existed all at once. I go, sounds kind of like in the beginning, God. <laughs> it's been saying that all along. Why are you guys, you guys been digging around? It says it right there in the Bible. The Big Bang Theory, I'm sorry, that's not, that does not belong to the scientists. That belongs to the Bible. Because God went, and it went, it appeared. And so God did that. He breathed and made man. And so he takes this dust, right, this matter, and he breathes into it. And there goes Adam. Out of nothing. Didn't have to sit there and take a long time. God just, and it was, and it was so. Sorry, women, you came out of the rib. Gets God's choice. I don't have time to continue. I got, a lot, I got like ten jokes right there, and I'm just gonna let it. You gonna joke A, joke B, just laugh. Okay. <clears throat> Genesis three nineteen B says, "For the for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return." Isaiah 64, 6 through 8 says in verse 6, and you can just go ahead and listen. I don't know if we got that up there. I'll give uh, the sound booth just a second. Isaiah chapter 64, verses 6 through 8 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses, I like that S at the end, righteousnesses, are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, And our iniquities are like the wind have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay and thou art the potter. Thou our potter. And we all are the work of thy hand. Clay. Clay. That's who we are. We're dust. That's actually worse than dust. We're like clay. We're, 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 we're mucky. We're ucky. Well, I used to love going out to, we would run into the woods. And when I grew up, we didn't have tablets. We had mud. And that was much more fun. Much, much more fun. Children, I'm telling you, rocks, sticks, and mud. Way more fun. Anyways, we would go and we, there was this clay bank. And the uh, little river would wash through. And when we have a lot of rain come down, we would go down there and have a lot of fun. It was great. My friends would throw rocks, crack my skull open. It was a blast. But anyways, when that didn't happen, I'm playing with clay in the mud. And we'd muck it all up together. And, and it it was clean clay. I mean, I mean, you think, how do you say clean mud? Well, it was clean mud. In fact, that's funny. This just came to me now. I took a picture of Duke. I'll post it if you guys want to see it. But Duke, I let Duke go for just a second at the park. And what does he do? He rolls around all up in the mud on his church clothes everywhere. And then he starts eating dirt. And I get, he's got this big old mouthful of dirt. And he's going in the picture. It's great. God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. Uh, uh, but we would play with clay and, and, and you mold it and, and, and it's mucky and it gets all stuck. But what you can do with clay, once you get all the impurities out, once you get all the specks out, that God is the master potter and he starts moving that clay and it spins around on the thing and you can turn that into however beautiful the master's hands are. Depending on how masterful you are is depending on how beautiful that piece of pottery clay can become. And let me just say that as the master of the universe, he can sure make some beautiful pottery. When we were in uh, uh, Venice a long time ago as a family vacation, we went over uh, out on, you know, Venice, the, it's sinking or whatever you want to say. And, and, and we went out to where they blow glass out there. And it was, it was this very famous place. I wish I had all the beautiful names and pictures for you. And they were forming a, uh, a, um, a stallion. And it was so cool. We were watching as this master guy is taking sand that's been burned, burning sand, right? This is just sand. And he burns it and turns it to glass and he molds and he's got the stick and he's really masterful and he's talking to us and this is what we do and we dip and we twist and we pull and we, we re-hit heat and he's doing all this and before you know it, out of this blob guck that was just sand, 
he makes this beautiful glass stallion that stands up perfectly on its tail and goes like this. It was really cool. It was a special thing. I won't go into details about that, but he called me up out of the entire crowd and gave it to me. So I was able to keep that, take it home as a, uh, something, something special. that I'll, uh, Maybe one day I'll tell you guys more about that. But moving on, I just got to say that God is masterful and he can take us, us ucky, yucky mud, dirt, nothing. And God does that for a reason. He wants us to remember something. Remember, you wake up in the morning, look at the door. What does it say? Say, we are dust, dirt, clay, muck. And all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Do your own study in that and you'll see how disgusting that is. That we are as filthy rags that we really have nothing to offer to God that he is in need of. He created us. I loved it when Aaron... For my birthday my, uh, that I just had, <laughs> he greets me at the door and he's got this, this thing that he made. It's a paper and it says, I love you, dad, with rainbows and stuff on it. It's super cool. And I open it up and it's, <laughs> it's like a, a push pop that's been, already been sucked on. It's, it's this big thing of gum that I had given him that had, you know, maybe like five pieces of gum left. And it was, just, you know, just different pieces of candy that I had purchased for him. Now, you go, that's not special. Well, it was special to me because I know my son was thinking about me. I love that stuff. I ate that gum. I didn't do the push pop, but I did the gum. And, and, and so, and, but really though, if we were to look at it from a materialistic viewpoint, other than the sentimental value, and thank you, Aaron, I loved your gift. Uh, but if we were to look at the sentiment or the, the uh, uh, carnal viewpoint of that, that really, I gave him those things. And so really it's, Mine. I worked for that. And I could be like that. But really, think of it, guys. I mean, what are we doing for God that he is in need of? We are dust. We're dirt. And all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. And so let's go ahead and I'm going to, if you guys want to interact, and we're, okay, we're going to interact. So uh, ask the congregation, what are some attributes? Let's name some attributes of God first. What are some attributes of God. Go ahead, raise your hand, I'll call on you. There in the back. Almighty. Almighty. I like it. There's a good start. Anybody else? Attributes of God. Holy. Holy. Yes. Omnipresent. Omnipresent. Forgiving. For- oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Forgiving. Amen. Anybody else? Yes. Excuse me? Richest? Righteous. 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 Good. Yes. You in the very back. Yes. All powerful. I like it. Yes. The kid, see, you guys notice that the kids are giving you guys some good stuff here? Because it doesn't take a, a mastermind to be able to tell you how cool God is. Cool is not a good enough name for him, but okay, we're, we're attributes of God. Mine tonight is cool. <laughs> He's much greater than cool. Uh, yes. You, young man. Goodness. Yes. Always loving. Yes. Faithful, true, kind, immutable. I mean, we could go on forever. We, we, like we said, we could fill this room and it would push out the walls because we cannot contain the greatness of God. Okay, let's now name some attributes of man. Oh, he's, your hand, you were thinking about this one. Yes. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. You get on the freeway long enough, you're going to know man is terrible. Yeah. More kids. Go ahead. Yeah. Call and start calling them out. Yeah. Selfish. Selfish. Dust. Dust. Very good. Dumb and stu- That's foolish. Let's use the word foolish there. Yes. Unlimited. Unli- li- Finite. Self-centered. Mortal. Fickle, proud. These are, hey, we're not getting a good rap tonight. I mean, come on. We're trying to think about, well, what are some good, are there anything, I mean, is there some good things about man? Hopeful. hopeful. That's true. We're hopeful. Why, though? Why are we hopeful? Anybody? Just because of God. Okay, so dang, that one doesn't belong to us because that one goes to God. But you're right, we can be hopeful in God. So good, yes. One, just a couple more and we got to move along. Two more, Brother Joel. Excuse me? <laughs> you guys got a bad rap, but that's true. We could definitely do that. Yes, Brother Paul. Redeemable. 
And once again, why are we redeemable? Because of God. So that's great. We have the only attributes that we have that are good are the capability of God to be good in us. Because he's the all good one. We have nothing good to offer. Remember again, once again, we are what? Dust. So the only thing good in man is God. Is because God created man in his image. And we are now vessels. And we're walking vessels that are able to comprehend his love. And you go, wait a minute. I thought we couldn't comprehend it. Don't get ahead of me. I'm arguing with myself. I'm sorry about that. So we're going to back it up. But yes, so God is all these great things. Man is all these bad things. But yet we are capable because I'm not man bashing here tonight. Because as I said from the uh, last message is that God created man in his image. And then he says about man that he is very good. And that from the foundations of the world, he knew who you were and what you would do. He knew that we were dust. And yet he said, I will create you so that I can die for you so that I can have a relationship with you. So actually, yes, we're dust. Yes, we're nothing. (laughs) But thankfully, God still finds us lovable because God so loved the world. It's good stuff. Okay, so here's the dilemma. Good. Not getting too ahead of my, far ahead of myself. Psalms, uh, Psalm chapter 8, verses uh, 3 through 4. Let's do that. Psalms chapter 8, verses 3 through 4. Oh, good. I wrote it down, so I don't have to turn there. Okay, good. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Sounds kind of like a song we sung this morning, how great thou art, right? It's pretty much, I'm pretty sure this, that's what that inspired that song. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, his fingers formed the moon and the stars. It's kind of like he was just playing around in the universe and made these things that we can't comprehend. It says, which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? So it, it, this creates some questions because if God's all knowing and he knows that we are dust and that we, he knows we have nothing good to offer and, that, and really there's nothing we can give in return because our righteousness is as filthy rags and will never really amount more to just muck, then why would God create something knowing he'd have to die for it? Doesn't make sense. And this is a dilemma. This is the great dilemma. This is the dilemma that has, has, has caused the uh, uh, atheistic world or the, the world of philosophy to reject a God. And I've had, I've had arguments with friends and people that I've tried to reach for this very reason. They'll stop here and say, if God knew from the beginning, then why would he create you knowing he'd have to die for you? That doesn't make any sense. So he, God is now suicidal and they'll start try and throw things at you like that, like moral dilemmas, like God is a suicidal God because he knew he'd have to kill himself for you. I mean, strange things. I'm telling you that if you get very philosophical philosophical in this. And if you start digging, there's, there's problems with this question right here. And there's problems with this, this question, not just only in philosophy, there's problems with this question within religion and probably even within this church. And in your own mind, as you start to go over this idea and you start to turn, why is it that God being all so great and so mighty and so just and so righteous and all knowing and holy and magnificent with all the things that he is and how small and that I am dirt and that I'm dust and I'm clay and I'm nothing. Then why would it be that God would create me knowing who I was going to be? I've had that. I, I don't know if you've had that problem, but I've had that problem. God, why? Why would you, why would you do this for me? I'm, I'm, I'm a nobody. I might have other people fooled, but I know who I am and I'm not worthy of you, that you would create me, that you would love me, that you would die for me. I'm, that's not, I'm not worthy. And if anybody in here is honest, I think we could all say amen to that. None of us are worthy that we are all dust and from dust we are made and dust will return unless we have the free gift of salvation. Another question people might ask is why would the almighty not just start over again? I mean, look at Noah's flood. God, why don't you just wipe them all out and start all over again and then make these, these robots that, you know, these people that just don't have sin. God knows what he's doing. 
He's no, he knew what he was doing before he did all of this. And there's a plan for this. There's a plan. And, and like I said, we don't have time to cover all these points. Why? Because then you guys would all be giving me a hard time for preaching long. And, that, and that's you guys to do that. So I'm trying to cut down my preaching time. I really am. But it would cover the whole Bible because God's love story to us is the answer why he would create us in, 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 in hindsight. That's funny. Hindsight's always 2020. God's always got 2020 vision. In fact, he's probably got more than that because I don't know if you can add other dimensions to that. But God, God's got all sight, right? He can see everything. So philosophy has reasoned God away for this very question. And then re- religion has, has spiraled down a wormhole that cannot, be op- that cannot be answered. Why? Well, it's the very thing the pastor's been preaching about. It's the very thing that I've even heard Brother Lamar touch on a little bit as we talk, get, uh, jump into the sovereignty of God. And then especially, though, with pastors preaching on Calvinism, and we talk about how he gets spirals deeper and deeper, and how did God foreknow, and then, and then he chose man, or did he not choose man? And, and could man be saved, or how, how is man saved? Because we're unrighteous, and we're, we're not able to receive. And it, look at this, and it says, God hath quickened us, which were dead. So if we we're dead, how could we revive ourselves? Because then, then it's not a choice, and God chose us. And so was it this or was it that? And we're running around and we're spiraling and it goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until you, because it doesn't, you can go all over the Bible, forward and back all around, and you can drive yourself mad trying to figure out foreknowledge, elect, chosen, predestinated, those words, scary words that we, in fact, words that I've really tried when I read my Bible to just say, God, I, I don't know, I'm passing on. I'm reading, I believe you, I love you, and I know that you died for the whole world, and so I'm just gonna preach to everybody I can and try and witness as many people I can, but I don't get it. And you know what, sometimes that's just a good idea. It's just, I don't, I don't know, you know, ignorance, it can be bliss at times. And can I just say that this is, a, this is the very question that has philosophy and has religion saying the Bible's not true, that your concept of God is not real, because this cannot be understood. <laughs> so, Back to what, I, what we said out of Genesis is that, that man ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that wasn't for man. It is not for us to determine what is good. And it is not for us to determine what is evil. Why? Because only God can truly define that. And it's Satan who takes just one little jot or one little tittle or one little word that, to change a truth and make it a lie. And Satan's got his lies painted all throughout history of religions killing each other, people dying and fighting over what this Bible says and interpretations of falsified beliefs and things like that. And man has just constantly been at war since the beginning. Cain and Abel killed each other because one had a more uh, perfect sacrifice than the other. And one had a different interpretation of what God wanted from them. And so man, trying to define who God is and what he wants from us, we war one against another, trying to contain the knowledge of good and the knowledge of evil. And so this is what man has done. If you could picture this with me for right now, now, this would be the knowledge of good. So let's call this religion and how man defines who God is and puts the limits here. And so you can try and define who God is. Now, is that bad? Absolutely not. We should know more about God. We should dig into his word. We want this knowledge because now that we have it, we should exercise it, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not setting you up here. This is true. We do want the knowledge of good. And that's why we read the Bible. So the knowledge of good is not evil, the misuse or the, the final authority in our mind to say that we can have a, uh, I want to I I make sure I say it right, because we can define what is right. We, there are defined principles within God's word. So absolutely, yes, we can state what is right, but we are limited in this category. We are limited in the knowledge of God and the knowledge of good. We are limited. We will not get enough. And then so over here, now we have the knowledge of evil. Well, the knowledge of evil, it would be things and you go, okay, that, so, the, so that's just evil, bad things. Well, really anything that has, denies the, the, the power of God and says that God does not exist is evil. And so that displays itself in truths, truths like mathematics and science and philosophy, all of which have truths, a lot of truth. In fact, math does actually, if math is true, it doesn't lie. True philosophy, if it's true, only aligns itself with God's word. Why? Because universal truths are truths. And really anything that's true in in philosophy can be found within the scriptures. 
And it's like, don't steal the scripture and say that you figured that out. You just found another way around to it, but it's a universal truth. And so, so over here we have evil because they're denying who God is, that, that God exists. And over here at its extreme, they're denying the power of God. Why? Because they're limiting him. So how do you get to God? Because we think now, this is how we think. God's up that way, right? We're going to chase God up into the sky. So we got to build a big foundation. So I got to get more knowledge of good and evil, more good and evil, more good and evil. I'm going to study all the science books and I'm going to study my Bible and I check out these religions and hey, check out what this man wrote and what this man wrote. I'm going to read all these religious books and over here. I'm going to get dig deep into these wormholes and what dark matter is and quantum physics. And I'm going to build this big wide base. Why? Because I want to understand who God is. And can you see what we're building here? The wider it goes out, the higher it gets to the peak. And what am I forming? A pyramid. The God is at a certain location and it's a peak and it goes up high. And the more we build out, the more understanding we have of the knowledge of good and evil, the higher we can get to God. And when I was going over this, it kind of scared me because I'm, I'm formulating this, I'm drawing it up and it's kind of like, hey, that's uh, it's kind of like Satanism right there. That's an emblem, you know, the all-seeing eye and the pyramid, and the, you guys have seen that. We don't, gotta, we don't have to dig into the occult. But there's a reason why there's pentagons, with the, and there's a reason why there's the Illuminati, and, those, and, and maybe some of those things are far-fetched, but can I just say that man, God, man's limited comprehension of who God is builds and puts God in where they say this is where God's at. And so they put, oh, we found him. He's up here at the top. And then they go, oh, oh wait, no, wait. We found a little bit more about God, so they push it out, and the pyramid goes higher. And the bigger the base goes, the higher we can project God to be. Is this making sense to any of you guys? So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Let's turn back to our text. <clears throat> the great dilemma. We're still, we're still digging into this. and we're, I'm, I'm getting closer. Verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. There's dilemmas in what we're reading here. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be, now listen to this, verse 18, may be able to comprehend, okay? Comprehend, to understand, to make known, to comprehend with all saints, what is the breadth, length, and height, depth, and height? Wait a minute, Brother David, you just said God can't be measured, that he's infinitely large. So how am I supposed to comprehend that? Doesn't make sense. The, the Bible's contradicting itself. Look at also, continue to read. Verse 19, it says, uh, and to know, listen to that, to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. What do you mean to know something I can't know? It passes my knowledge. How am I supposed to know that? How are we supposed to comprehend that which is incomprehensible? How can I know something that can't be known? So I'm going to share with you some of my personal life testimony time. Duke, if we go back, in fact, the, the, the first installment of the messages I've beginning to preach out of Ephesians chapter 3, I talked to you about how I went through a really hard time, a struggle in my life not that long ago, uh, just a little, uh, little past a year ago. And uh, thankfully, God's been really good, and I've had uh, absolute victory over it. And I praise the Lord for that. And I'm very thankful again for the, the deacons of the church praying for me and pastors oversight and prayer there. And I've had different men uh, that have been an encouragement to me here and uh, my wife and family and, and everybody that's been a part of that. And, and, and the Lord and, and his holy word really blessed me and got me through the most difficult time of my life. In fact, I didn't realize life could get as difficult as it did. And God saw me through it and praise the Lord. In that time, right before it hit, uh, we had found out that, you know, it was the house fire and then Alexa was pregnant. And so we were pregnant with Duke and here's Duke coming along and everything's going full steam, going great. Duke's born. That's when my storm hits. And for those of you that weren't here for my message, I began to struggle with uh, a physical onset of anxiety and depression, which I've never really experienced. I mean, depression uh, when I was younger, but uh, uh, something like I've never experienced before. And it was really, really traumatic experience for me. And it was very hard for me to keep my job. It was very hard for me to function uh, because, it, and so I'm not gonna go on and continue because I've, I've preached that to you before. In fact, I'm gonna share a testimony with you about that. But God gave us Duke in that time. And that was a little ray of light. A, a, a huge blessing that I needed 
for that time, uh, as, as Duke is the first kid out of my four that prefers dad over mom. <laughs> he loves me. Duke and I, we just, there's something about it. We just got that, we're, we're both linebackers. I guess that's what it is. But we just, mm, I, I, and so we have, a, there's a special connection and Duke runs to me and he says dad, dad, before he says mama and all that great stuff that I'm going to keep rubbing in, get in trouble for it later. But Duke and I have connected in a special way because in my darkest hours, I was able to hold on to Duke and his beautiful little smiles and giggles and all that stuff. And then in the midst of the greatest storm I had to face, I had Duke with me. And it was, I mean, and, and there was a blessing of my wife and every, all my other kids. And that was such a blessing to, to be with my other kids too. So I'm not, I'm not casting a shadow on anybody else, but it was kind of like God just said, here's Duke, just a little extra cherry on top. So we have formed a relationship. And um, well, I got into the middle of my... Uh, in this time that I'm struggling with what I'm going through, uh, my doctor told me I needed to start journaling and doing things that the Bible would say, like writing things of thankfulness and focusing on good things and not on bad things. I'm like, oh, these are like scriptures, but okay, yeah, sure. Uh, that, that's medical advice to do uh, things that are contained in the Bible, which once again is what I said, philosophy and science. If they have truths, they didn't discover them. They were already in the Bible. And so uh, she asked me to write a journal. And, and in preparation for this message, I had remembered that I had journaled. So I searched deep into my notes because I had forget not, forgotten I had even done it. And one day, I only journaled like two or three days because I'm not a journaler, uh, uh, but I did journal. And it, I remember it was in the midst of my storm. And so I wanted to share with you guys. No, actually, I didn't want to. Uh, God told me, so I have to uh, share this uh, with you here this morning. So I wanted to um, give you a small part of my personal life here. So this is what I wrote. <clears throat> Today again was rough in the morning. But, uh, oh, it was rough in the morning, but turned out good in the end. Woke up tingling again. Today is Saturday, and I'm used to sleeping in to 8 o'clock a.m., only if I'm lucky enough to not be woke up by the kids playing downstairs. However, I was woken up uh, by the, excuse me, I was woken up by the pain of stress in my nervous system at about 4.30 a.m., ugh. The reminder of when I wake up for work on a weekday. I was thankful that at least I didn't have to, to face a day of responsibilities. I tried to sleep in, but it was very in and out, more out than in. I ended up taking Duke at about 6 a.m. downstairs to try to help Alexa sleep. Even at my low, Duke can always make me smile. His smiles in the morning are heart melting. Still, I couldn't find a happy, I couldn't find a happy as anxiety and depression are stomping on me. I imagine them as devils that became best friends and worked together with the intent of trying to find a way to destroy a perfectly blessed person's life. All I can do at that point is pray. Now, I wrote more, but that's too personal for you. So I already given you enough. But I just wanted to say, I flash back to those times in my life. It was an all-time low. And I didn't feel for the very first time in my life, you know, I'd say the ultimate low Besides all the anxiety and all the depression and all the confusion and things that I had, the worst feeling I felt was when I didn't feel God anymore. God, I don't sense you anymore. I don't feel your love. I don't see your presence. I don't know where you are. And that was when all hope felt lost. But regardless of how I felt or could comprehend the situation that I was going through, I made a decision, and I remember in that very low, I say, God, I am choosing to trust you because you've been faithful to me to this point in my life, and I'm choosing you now, and I believe you'll continue to be faithful through my life even though I cannot see it, feel it, even though it's not a happy time, I'm choosing you, Lord. I'm not saying that in pride, folks. I'm really not, but that's a thing called faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And there comes a time in life where you don't see it, you don't feel it, and you don't comprehend it. But you choose that by faith, God, I'm choosing you. You are sovereign. Each and every one of us have to do that. There's none of us that can pass that test. 
without saying, I might not understand you, God. I might not comprehend you. I might not see you in all places. I'm not walking on water. I'm not seeing you heal the blind and all of these things. But I am choosing, but what, but what, by what you have said in your word, that I am choosing that that is true. And I'm trusting Jesus Christ, my personal Lord and Savior. Now, this was not my salvation testimony. I got saved before this. But this definitely was a big pillar in my life, a big turning point. So flash forward from there. September 30th, 2018. That was three weeks ago. I'm preaching on the sovereignty of God. All of you have witnessed that. And I'm starting to race and catch, try and catch up with this idea of defining what I'm trying to define about what is undefinable. Does that sound a little crazy to you? Well, it can become crazy because when you're trying to define what cannot be defined, you start racing around that and you're jumping over here and you're jumping over there and your thinking's up there. And, and, and I'm trying to catch up with who God is and I got to tell everybody about it. I'm racing and I'm, and I'm, I'm shooting. And I, and I remember I had taken a long drive down to uh, uh, Wenatchee and, and there was some some things you could continue to pray about in my extended family that there's some situations that are difficult right now. And I remember on my drive there and I'm, and I'm dig, digging deep. I had just preached the message about how the sovereignty of God and how high and lifted up he is. And, and I'm talking about it and I'm digging into it. And I'm going further and further in the scripture and, and I'm racing through and I get in and it's, a, it's an awesome feeling thinking about how big God is. He's this big. No, no, he's even bigger. Wait a minute. He's even bigger. And you're climbing in the scriptures and you get there. And I had that moment when I'm, I'm up here like all is good. And I had that. Oh, oh I forgot how, how far up I climbed. This is a little scary up here. And then because you get in, you chase God too far in one direction and you can start to uh, remember we're not supposed to comprehend it. Abraham saying, or Moses is saying to God as he's on the mount, God, please show me your presence. And God's like, you can't handle that. It's not for you. You can see my hindered parts. But even from seeing the hindered parts of God, Moses came down glowing. And I didn't come close to where Moses got. None of us has even gotten close to Moses. I mean, I'm talking God talked to Moses as a friend. That's like whoo, way higher than any of us. Maybe, maybe some of us can get there. That would be a blessing. But I'm just saying much higher than I could have ever attained to. And so trying to get up there. And it left me with all of a sudden I had this empty feeling in my heart. Because I realized how big God was. And made me realize how small I am, that I am dust. And I went home that night perplexed, perplexed like I've never been, perplexed because for the first time, here I am, I'm going, God, I'm deeper in your word, and yet I have this big, empty feeling in my heart that hurts. And I couldn't explain it. And that morning, I woke up in the morning, and I go to my place where I do my best thinking. John, <laughs> I said it. I'm sorry. I'll get, I'll get flack for that from my wife later. Uh, but I'm, I'm sitting there, and I, and, I, and I remember I'm actually crying because I'm, I'm, this, is a, this, is a, this is quite a dilemma. This is the great dilemma. In fact, this is what I'm preaching about, the great dilemma. Because how can we comprehend a God that is so great that he would know who we are and then die for us? I cannot understand this. God, I'm trying to comprehend you, even though I'm saying we can't comprehend you. I'm still trying to comprehend you, and you're not making any sense to me. And at that time, Duke was awake at 4.30 a.m. in the morning, and he opens up the door, and he looks in, and he goes, Dada, love you. And I was like, right there. Love you. You can't even really say the words right. And I'm thinking, here's my son, 15 months old. He doesn't know I go to work to put food on the table for him. He doesn't know that I would be bare food for him in the woods. He doesn't know that there is nothing I wouldn't do for him. He doesn't comprehend all of that stuff. He doesn't know that. But you know what he does know? Dada, la you. Simple. Simple to comprehend. Even a child can know that they love their parents. Early, my, I am his earthly father. And at the age of 15, my 15-year-old Duke, who was there for me in the storm that God blessed me with, that we formed a relationship with, can say, I love you. And I started bawling and crying because I said, God, that's it. That's what's wrong because I can't comprehend you. All I can comprehend is that you love me. And I don't know why you love me. And I don't get the extent of all of that. But I know that if I want to be rooted and grounded in your love, that it's to comprehend with all saints that he loves us. 
He loves us in a way I cannot describe to you, in a way that we can continue to preach on and on, but you're not going to get it in philosophy. You're not going to get it in knowledge of good. You're only going to get it in the center, in the square, and that is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. These are the promises of God, and we can all know it. How? So read this passage of scripture with me. See if it starts to make more sense. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. Verse 17. Go ahead and put it up there. Ephesians chapter 3. It makes it all come together when we put that puzzle piece of love. Listen to this. Verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all saints. What is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. It's simply saying, I, by faith, am trusting in something I cannot comprehend. And then God, you're going to show me your love. And when you feel the love of God, you can't describe that to somebody that doesn't know what it is. It's like trying to explain a color to somebody that doesn't exist in the Roy G. Biv. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's incomprehensible. It's something we can comprehend because we know it by love. But that's it. It's not for this. God loves us in a way that this is never going to catch up. And, we're, so if we, and so if I was to say, I can tell you exactly where God is, it wouldn't be the pyramid scheme that we built with the knowledge of good and evil. It would be in the center. And he's an overwhelming presence in every direction. And it starts with the cross. That he so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. I hope to preach in the future about this great love wherewith he loved us when he died on the cross for his sins. We don't have time for that tonight. But can I just say, folks, that if you're perplexed, if you're looking for answers to your questions, I only have one answer, and is that I don't have the answer for you. Only by faith you get this blessing, this love, this great love, this incomprehensible love, this love that will go anywhere, do anything for you. And it's something that you can spend your whole life learning about, but you're not going to get there because it's not a destination. It's an entire life. In fact, it's an eternity that we're going to be basking in the love of Jesus Christ and the great love wherewith he loved us. So you're not going to understand sovereignty and foreknowledge and predestination and all those things. And we can argue for hours about who hath quickened us and who hath it. But we can definitely define from God's word that God so loved the, the whole world, all of us, that he gave his only begotten son, that, that he died for everybody. The offer stands. And no matter who you are in this room, this love applies to you. And the only way you get it is you say, I don't know, but I want it. Is that easy? Confess with your heart and believe in your, confess in your heart and believe with your, believe in your, yeah, what are those guys? <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Say it with your mouth, believe it in your heart that Lord Jesus has died on the cross for our sins and he will raise again. Thou shalt be saved. He that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son hath not life. It's not confusing. You don't need to go to Bible college to learn that. You can be a little 15 month old little kid, maybe not be ready for salvation, but you can understand what love is if you got an earthly father. And I'm going to tell you, when you get to the age of accountability and God starts working in miraculous ways in your life, and when you've been through the storm and you've been through those moments where you say, God, I don't see you on any side. The storm is too big for me, but I'm trusting in you. And he comes down, he sweeps down, he says, peace be still and the storm's clear. And then he starts to love on you the way he does. He starts to bless you in ways that you can, if, you, if you tell your coworkers, they're going to think, this guy's crazy saying God does that. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. My God actually is as big as he says he is. And he does great. It says, he that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That is what the Bible describes. And I'm sticking by it because that's my God. He does do those things if we believe that he is able See, there's only one limiting factor, and we're going to continue to bring it back here. There's only one limiting factor, and that's that we have to know the unknowable. And can I just say, can you just put that rest to rest tonight and just agree that we are dust? And it's not for us to know. It's just for us to accept it. Generation of people that think they need the answer to everything. We don't. We don't need the answer to everything. Uh, uh, Psalms uh, 34, 6 says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. 
We think of the miry clay, the muck. He brought me out of that muck and he put my feet on a rock that I might stand there. Those are things that only the lost will understand, comprehend the love. You can't save a rich man. You can't save somebody that doesn't need saving. You can't save a good person. Why? Because they already got what they think they need. And it's till we come to him as a child and say, I don't get it. I don't know it. And I am undone and I am wicked and I am unrighteous that we really start to get the picture of who God is. And that is my first statement, that God is love and he loves you. Don't let anybody ever tell you elsewise. God loves you. Tongue, nation, tribe, doesn't matter where you've come, what you've done. People say, oh, you know, I'm just too broken to come to God. And God says, no, you're not broken enough because God's never turned down broken pieces. He only turns down the pieces that aren't saying they are broken. 